A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hear that? Hear that? Let me pot it up just a little bit. Hear that in the background? That's the sound of the heaters. Yeah. It's freaking cold here, and we're recording. It's that time. It's a Monday. Nobody is here with me again. I know you're thinking to yourself, Pat, what did you do? Where are the bodies? Or did you just finally insult them enough that you now officially have no friends? Actually, it's none of that. I pay them. I pay them to be my friends. I'm that lonely. For a long time, it was my parents who pay them to be my friends. And they did that behind my back. So... God, did I just share all that? Hey, everybody, it's Pat Bolger in the Pack Filler Studios for another edition of the Pack Filler Podcast. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm here all by myself. And it's kind of a short little introduction I'm going to do here today, just mainly because I was fortunate enough to get out of the studio. Here I spent all this time bragging about and building the studio, and then all of a sudden I get an opportunity to go out of it. We just had a wonderful uh, recording just this past weekend at our friends at the local bike hub store. Boy, I said that horribly. The bike hub. That's where I was. The bike hub. Chris Andreessen and his his friends down at the bike hub invited me over because they had a guest they thought would be probably a pretty interesting podcast. And guess what? It darn well was. They bribed me with pizza and beer and a really cool layout in a very kind of a it's a store I always used to go to. And I have to admit, I've been out of the kind of out of it for a little bit. And then I finally got a chance to go back into that store and they they really made it personal and they made it 
a fun LBS, you guys. Um, if you have a chance, if you're in the Spokane area, be sure and go check out any of the Bike Hub locations. Thanks to those guys for hosting me for the podcast. It was a lot of fun. Also, before I get to the podcast itself, I want to thank my friends at Gooder. Gooder, G-O-O-D-R. Gooder, good, good, Gooder. Um, I recently went on a absolutely, it was this past Saturday. It was the same day as the podcast. I went out for a ride here in Spokane, Washington. And um, I was at the mercy of Paul Maine, who kind of dictated the time. There were a couple other guys on the rides who were, you know, had to, you know, I don't know what the fuck they had to do. They had to get someplace or do something like that. And uh, so we decided to meet, you know, around 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, the weather was, you know, not very good. It was supposed to clear up as the day proceeded, but it was, you know, a slightly spitting rain. Started out our nice road ride, planning on about two and a half hours. And about 20 minutes into it, it was raining so hard that it actually started snowing. And the snow and rain was, a, it, I'm not talking a drizzle, you guys. I'm talking a downpour. Don't call me a wuss. It was a full-on downpour. It was maybe in the mid to lower 30s in, in, in temperature. And there is no piece of clothing. I, don't give me that shit about whatever clothing you guys have. There is no piece of clothing that could keep you warm. And this was that type of a ride. I froze my body to the core. I couldn't put my hands on my bars anymore because they hurt so bad. I shit you not. But I looked really cool because I had on a pair of gooders. And these were these are these ones. You guys got to look them out. You gotta Go to gooder.com. These are called jorts for your face. <laughs> <laughs> jorts for your face they're they're blue frames and clear lenses and i, I wore them just because i thought ah, it's going to be rainy you know i'll wear the wear the clear lenses and i did and they worked really well but once the snow started battling down you know that it's like with glasses on when they get so wet that you can't really you couldn't really see so um it wasn't the glasses fault it was the fact that i chose to road actually i, I didn't choose i was tricked to ride at that point in time. But you guys, if you get a chance to get over to gooder.com um, or if you actually have the balls or ovaries to actually participate in our pack filler trivia, okay, even if you've had your ovaries removed or your balls removed, you can still call in <laughs> and be a part of pack filler trivia. And if you do, you automatically qualify Actually, you're going to get a pair of Gooder glasses. I will send you a pair of Gooder glasses. No shit. Yeah, thanks to those guys for being a part of that. And if you haven't checked out their line and their great sense of humor, get over to Gooder.com and check all that stuff out. I am five minutes into a podcast, and this podcast went long. So I'm going to get to it. Um, Todd Schumlich is the guest on the pack filler this time man behind performex racing man behind who is the current manager of intense factory racing off-road downhill is his specialty but training athletes to be really really fit and really really fast and going beyond just getting out there and riding like a lot of us do i'm looking at you roadies who think the only way to truly get fit is to ride there's a lot of information in this podcast from this guy that is not just tailored to downhill mountain biking. I promise. It's interesting as shit, and you're going to love it. Well, it's more interesting than shit. I, that's a really bad analogy, so I'm just going to let that one go. Without further ado, you guys, Todd Schumlich on the Pack Filler Podcast. Well, this is where I do a little introduction. 
Nation thing. And I say welcome to a special episode of the Pack Killer. Except sitting around this area, it makes me feel like I'm some sort of a fireside chat. But uh, this to just prove I am out of the studio at the South Perry location of Spokane's own the bike hub and there are people here so i want to prove that i actually get out of my basement every so often so if the people in the environment could just make some sort of stupid noise to prove that i'm in public thank you so very much yeah (laughs) um with me on the show is the owner of uh owner and director of performance racing and team manager of intense factory racing if i get anything on your bio wrong call me out on it uh, trains some of the best in the world and has some highly effective approaches to making cycling faster. Uh, let's welcome to the show Todd Shumlick. How are you, Todd? Uh, yeah, great. Hey, applaud. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't see the sign in the background that said applaud. Um, <laughs> great thing. Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. This is just a whirlwind since we got here uh, in Spokane uh, yesterday, uh, maybe, what, 30, 30, 32 hours ago. So is this, is it, I got to get the, the initial stuff out of the way. Is this your first time here in the, in Spokane? No, this, uh, it's kind of cool. This place has got a special place in my heart. <laughs> I showed up here uh, when I was, uh, this is really going to date me, but uh, I was here about 30 some years ago and uh, sp- spoken sport. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, went through town on my way to a BMX race. One of the first big BMX races we were on our way. And, uh, yeah, that shop left an impression. I don't know what it was, and I can't still. And it's it's really honest thing. Like it, I can remember the smell of the place and <laughs> the rudeness and all the good, no, but I mean the good the good side, like the edgy part of BMX yeah. that really stood out. And uh, we were here, and we went through the town. I can't remember, but I can you know I can't remember many of the bike shops, but I can remember that bike shop. And we went in. There was some uh, SE PK rippers in there, and I remember seeing that real cool baby blue <laughs> one and. And yeah, it's, I don't know what it is. And I really think there's a little part of this, that shop and my impression that set me on this path that I'm on right now. Right on. Is that it, people are around in the shop, is the nickname still intact of that shop that I remember as a kid? Yeah, I got a couple head knobs. Yeah, so okay. So that one was there. So uh, what what is the... Should, can, yeah, we could probably mention I'm that, you know, way too uh, curious people to on keep the going inside right call it smoke and snort. Right? Well, Isn't okay. that what they called it? People are like, oh, shit, Pat, don't talk about that on the show. <laughs> yeah, well, my name's on it. We can get sued there, so no big deal. Well, So what are your impressions on, uh, you know, 30 years ago and coming back to it now? I mean, I know you probably guys didn't get a chance to do much ride, although I did hear about an e-bike, e-bike ride. Uh, yeah, uh, no impression yet of, I guess, yeah. Spokane, just kind of a blur for a bit, but it's uh, – yeah, it's cool. Like I can't remember like, you know, like anything 20, 30 years, 30 years later. Yeah, I, it's a totally different thing, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing that shop again. I think that's going to be pretty wild. I think maybe <laughs> I can smell the same smells or whatever. I don't know. I'll, I'll probably get, yeah, but uh, yeah, we went for what? We went for an e-bike yesterday. So that was really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm down with the whole e-bike thing. I think it's really cool. And it's, uh, we logged what, 16 miles? Yeah, in like a real short period of time. And I've got a shoulder injury, so I think a big, like, allowed me to do a little more descending, which is good for my own confidence back on the bike. You know, I, like I said to you earlier, I hit a deer on my motorcycle and had a third-degree AC separation. So I need to get back on the bike, and that's a good way without suffering too much. And then the bike's heavier, so you kind of have more stability, I think, when you're injured. 
this is the, just what you guys are touching base on. What we're touching base on here right now is such a uh, show within itself, just talking about e-bike issues. And, you know, it's, it's almost like the us versus them thing. But, you know, I guess we could touch base on it now. But, I mean, you seem to be a supporter of it. A lot of people, you know, Chris, yeah, was, saying, I, I, Chris I think was saying beforehand that he says it's freaking fun. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just can't see a lot of the downside to it. I just see more people getting into biking. Yeah. So, and it's the right direction. I come from a moto world too. So, you know, electric bikes and, you know, I think that's, I mean, yeah, there's a big picture too, like whatever. I mean, there's a lot of parts of it. I get it. I get everybody's problem with it too, I guess. But I, I mean, and, and whatever, I mean, it's supposed to be a trainer guy. So my people might <laughs> see that, you know, contradictive, but not really because you're still getting on the bike a little bit longer maybe and you get more people on the bike and i think you know a lot of the people i train are not really training just for pedaling they're training for to descend and so that bike allows for a bit more descending and so i think that's cool and i don't know getting out in the wilderness and <laughs> so before we get into the, some of the other stuff, take me back on your perspective and how you got involved with all this. Um, what is your personal history with the sport, and, and how did you come to – we talked before I turned on the recorder about your co college experience and, and studying kinesiology and, and things like that, but how, how did this all come about? What's your background in the sport? Well, I wasn't a real athlete per se, and my brother was, and I saw it in front of me. My brother was a factory rider. He rose, raced for – uh, Kuhara when we were young and like I said we came through town and we were going to BMX races and I could see what was my limitations versus his and obviously it was even just like genetic my brother was just like climb a tree with one arm when he was a kid and <laughs> he just it, you know it was just different I saw the psychology too like he he'd get second place and he'd he'd throw his bike into the you know into the forest and I, I mean I get seventh I'd be stoked I didn't really care so he was competitive I wasn't but I was taking care of him at a young age like I was he was four years five years younger than I was. So I was already, my mom just recently said you were groomed for this job, like, which is running a race team. I was already taking care of my brother and he was like just a badass, and I was watching him. And so we had that as a background. And then I left at bicycles and didn't know what to do. And I found this, just like we were saying, I, found, I ran into the right person at the right time. And they pointed me to this thing called kinesiology, which I mean, I, I don't think I could spell it for the first two years, <laughs> you know? And, and then I, I just was like trying to figure it out. And I thought maybe this would be a good place to get back to this. And I didn't even, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't, I, I didn't, I just thought maybe this was going to lead me back to bicycles, I guess. And somehow, and you know, here we are, but, uh, bicycling, how that happened was just somehow I made my way to the moto industry. I guess shouldn't say somehow I was, it was pretty wild. I was working with hockey players, no surprise in Canada. <laughs> and I really wasn't a hockey player. Like I grew up skateboarding and, BMX and then uh, somehow a, a kinesiology was new and exciting to all these athletes and I came out of school came out of Santa Monica College in UCLA and so I came back to Canada and I was a little I worked in the movie industry and in the music industry and made some little bit of money for a while when I was down there and just got tired of just babysitting rich people and whatever it was and celebrities and I had a chance but it I, I made some connections down in Los Angeles and I think that led to something and then went back to Canada and some family members had a, um, a strip mall near, uh, in a, in a, in a, in a location called Canmore, Alberta and outside of Calgary, Alberta, where the Olympics had just finished up. And they said there was like a lot of leftover athletes in the area. And they thought, you know, you might be able to use this education and come back and help these athletes from, 
you know, injury and so on and the kind of the degree I had. So I went there and going to Canmore, Alberta and started to start connecting with athletes and it was NHL players and they were back in Saskatchewan, sort of my home where I grew up and I knew people there. And after a while, just working with that, it was just, I wasn't like a hockey guy. So I was just trying to find something that excited me a bit more. And somebody, I was at a, and I was 30 years old and I got my first motocross bike. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to ride moto. Uh-huh. And I got a moto and I was at the race and I was like, in my own ego, I was like, oh, I was a pretty good BMXer. I'll probably do really well. <laughs> you know, I'll probably get an intermediate class. I'll win it, but that's okay. I won't go into expert yet. But instead I went into novice because the guy convinced me and I got dead last and uh, in novice. And then anyways, there was a guy there that said, hey, I remember you from this NHL banquet thing. And he's like, uh, you know, he was a referee and he's like, uh, my brother races moto and he'll introduce you to some people. So next thing you know, I'm talking to all the pros in the pits and they found out I was this kind of trainer guy. And they said, uh, yeah, there's this guy in Canada. His name is uh, Blair Morgan and he's a multi-time snow snowmobile guy. And moto guy and they introduced me to him and uh he's my first action sports guy so he pulled me into the industry and started introducing me to people and i was going to x games and the going to x games and he won seven x games gold medals so we were up there with like guys like sean palmer and and so on and he was like uh you know we get you into this world and it worked out like he started pumping out pretty good results and next thing you know somehow i was connected to he was in factory Honda team and then he was on the factory Yamaha team next thing you know I had these factory moto guys and that we were starting to get sponsored that's when the introduction of Red Bull came along and Red Bull was starting to sponsor riders so I got to get be quite connected with the Red Bull guys and uh, I was getting some pretty good results in the moto world with the Red Bull athletes and they were having he came up to me they were having trouble with one of their mountain bike guys and uh he they thought he was going to be the next thing and they didn't weren't really seeing him materialize and uh he said uh we'd like would you be interested in trying to work with a dh guy we see maybe there's a relationship between the moto and the downhill world that looked kind of like the same you know maybe it was the <laughs> the gear was the same or you know big wide bars and all this stuff and it was gnarly and uh his name was you know stevie smith and they said he was a young boy and he was, you know, and he just, he wasn't connecting with the guy that w- they were working with. And so, yeah, I had a meeting with Stevie and he was just right around the time that just before, I think it was Follow Me came out or, and, um, oh, wow. you know, and we, uh, we hit it off. We just, I sat and talked with him. I had a BMX background and he was a BMX kid and, you know, and I think it worked out because we chatted with Red Bull and somehow I said, you know, I give this kid about five years and I think he's going to do really well. He's going to win a world cup series. And, uh, it was just a total guess, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I knew I, I thought I spent enough time seeing personalities and I thought we'll just do it one step at a time. And I told Stevie, I said, let's just, you know, if, if our relationship works, let's, let's have like a long-term plan and somehow kind of fluked it off, I guess, you know, five years later we won the world cup series. And so just before that and then it started to as soon as i got in with stevie it started to really kind of go off like it, it it seemed like when stevie started making progress then other red bull athletes and it, you know brooke mcdonald came along i did a few years with brooke and then i had george brannigan i had marcelo gutierrez and the casey browns and i mean it sounds like i'm just name dropping but it, it just became a lot of the top world cup athletes and at one time i think i had 12 you know 
top 20, uh, you know, and it was like, wow, like this is a lot of people. And it was wondering if in the moto world I could do it and there didn't seem too much of a conflict of interest. Like Blair Morgan was phenomenal. Blair Morgan said to me, when he started working with me, he said, hey, I wanna introduce you to my teammates. And they introduced me and I was like, wait a second, after a little bit I was understanding, I was like, aren't these your biggest competitors? Like this is the, <laughs> your number two, that's the number one guy and that's the number three guy. And he's like, yeah, but I don't wanna win because of my trainer. He's like, I think everybody here and you need to make a living. So he's like, let's get a few more guys on the rock. Wow. So he kind of set the tone for me and being able to say, you know, like we could make this work between competitors and there was not a conflict of interest. And I think he, he was the one that set that up a little bit better. And then it sort of, when I went to the mountain bike industry, I could say that story again. <laughs> I could go to the moto mountain bike guys and I could be say, Hey, I'd already done this with the moto guys. And I had the one, two and three guys. So what is it about it? You, you weren't name dropping, by the way, if you're dealing, dealing directly with these people. Um, what is it about it that was a different approach that you were taking that some other weren't taking that made it successful and brought it into what it is today? Well, yeah, that's I think ideally you might have nailed it. Like I thought a lot of the guys were training these guys like I guess you could say road bikers. They're yeah. just working on pedal fitness and I could see a lot about pedaling and I thought, well, isn't that just part of the equation I couldn't see it being all the equation and when I chatted with people I was like well what keeps you from going faster <laughs> and and it, it was it was it was a lot of other there was a lot of variables there was like their their grip their arms pumping up their backs um, you know and I could see risk management like I knew that these sport to push the edge they every one of those guys has to be willing to hit the ground and hit it pretty hard so I could start taking some sports psych in school and taking some sports psychology, I could realize the big part of that, the part of that you had to break some, you know, ground there. You had to make sure that they felt comfortable to really take risks and past injuries and, and so on. So I kind of started approaching it from the moto side, how I approach moto. And uh, Stevie was a big part of it. Stevie and I would sit down and he was, he was a pretty, he had a real high attention to detail. And uh, Stevie would sit down with me. We would like put pen to the paper and whatever. We would sit and we would say, like, let's go ride. Let's push real hard. And I want you to tell me what you think is keeping you from going any quicker. Like what at this moment, outside of the equipment, outside of, you know, uh, your skill sets, what physically or mentally. And I think you would, um, you know, you'd, you'd sort of start, you know, uncovering things about it and we would together I think we did it and then I had a good group of riders who were all different body types and I think we approached it so we did we approached it from the kind of moto side of things and then really started discovering more along the way about the cycling side of things and you can't take this on a one-size-fits-all approach this has got to be incredibly individually prepared y yeah the part of it is like if you look at a bike right now y you know there's the fork and the fork is going to be the fork. I don't care what dollar you have, you know, whether you're a billionaire, Fox is going to tell you that fork is designed to work the way it is. If you want it upside down and you want that, sure, it's kind of get, we can get pretty wacky, but it doesn't make it any better. That needs to work like that, but maybe we'll valve it different for you. Maybe we'll put different pressures in for you. We'll put a different stack in there for you. That's what I do. There's parts of this that I know works. Like there's parts that no matter what the body type, this group I've got right now in town, we got all kinds. We got what? We got uh, we got youngins in there. Sixteen. We got sixteen wow. to forty-nine, and uh, you can see it's not just 
it's not just body type or gender or age. It's also, uh, you know, it, there's a whole bunch. It's not just the discipline of the sport. Like I don't, I actually don't have just like a, a, a very specific enduro training and a very specific downhill training. I actually, they're quite close. Really? Yeah, they're really quite close because the body type does come into that and then the person's strengths and weaknesses. So it, it, it you definitely, there's no one size fits all. And it's what I would say more importantly, it's a moving target. It's a moving target with each athlete. You see them change. I've seen Chris, Ch Chris change just in this time with me where you're moving, you can't do it all. You can't, it's too overwhelming to just say, I'm gonna be more fit. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of say, this is where we need to be more fit for now. It could be in his arms, it could be in your shoulders, it could be in your flexibility. And I think that's what keeps it less, it's like what I said to these guys earlier, like your fitness is like, how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time, <laughs> you know, and if you see it as like one big thing, it just, it's overwhelming. Okay. What are some of the common mistakes you see uh, a lot of the average riders making in terms of their preparation? I, I, you mentioned riding time. I'm sure a lot of people think if I, the more time I spend on the bike, that's going to obviously be the solution. And I'm going to be the best around. Um, what are some of the gigantic misconceptions that a lot of these people are missing? Uh, well, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. One of the best riders on the planet, um, you know, Aaron Gwynn, when he started with me, like this is our seventh year together. And Aaron, when he sat in front of me, I'll never forget the day he came up to me at Fort William and he's like, hey, uh, next year, I, he's working with John Talmack and a few people. And he's like, I, I think that like next year, I'd like to try something new. And I've been watching you work in the pits and talk to people. And he was paying attention to like he did his due diligence, I guess you could say. And, uh, and he said, I'd like to work with you next year. And I said, okay, so what's the interest? And he said, well, um, I don't feel like I'm as, as fit as I thought I was. And I said, well, how so? And he said, well, I was out riding with Troy Brosnan. And he said, and Troy just dropped me, as he said, in a pedal. And uh, he's like, I went out pedaling with him, and we went up and climbed to this climb, and he just crushed me. And I'm like, okay, so how do you associate that to your less fit? And he's like, well, he smoked me on this climb and I'm like, well, that's climbing. Is that yeah. downhill racing? I mean, to me, that's how well you climb. And that's not saying that that's not an important thing to have that kind of pedal fitness. Then we really talk it and I start breaking it down. I showed him video of him, you know, where he had more torque in the mud and where his arms were still strong through the bottom and he had more brake control. And I showed him maybe what I thought at the time, some of the riders lacking. So, you know, I think the common mistake is that a lot of, D, d, you know, for XC, it's obvious your 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 pedaling is your engine, and your engine is your pedaling, and if that makes sense. Um, and but with the enduro and the downhill athletes, that uh, you know they're associating their they're just maybe they're you know it could be some of the old school stuff like the VO2 or their their watts they put down. Yeah. I'm a believer in watts. We tested it today, right? And so we also with 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 um, it, with uh, you know. Uh, I think the pedaling is just a sm like a c one part of it. And so there's a lot of other parts that are, so I think it's, it's a little bit uh, overwhelming for people to try and figure that out. But it's, I always say to people this, just go to, you go to Google, Google search it. It's out there. Um, and you look up downhill fitness and you look it up and it's on there. It was a UK study and it was on pink bike 
but it was actually on Pink Bike twice, and not a lot of people pay attention to it. Because it's like it's boring news, right? Yeah. Everybody wants the drama. They want to know what like, who's like dating and whatever else. But, <laughs> you know, it was on there, and it explained that, you know, that VO2 didn't have a big impression on downhill or descending, that grip strength was one of the major players, wow. and so was lower back and core and mobility. So there's a lot of these things, and um, I was like... See, I was right all along, <laughs> you know, but no, it was somebody, it was just always a theory, but, um, yeah, maybe it's the understanding of what really fitness is like what, you know, it's, you know, it's not just your pedal and it's not, you know, I, I'll always say to people like, yeah, it's great if you have 75 liters of VO2, but if you're racing DH or enduro and you've lost brake control because your arms are so pumped up yeah you know two minutes into a run then i wouldn't consider that very fit yeah and and i'm sure it is, is there you can help me is there still the mentality that it's ride more ride more ride more when there are so many other activities that need to be done you mentioned the the bane of my existence you mentioned core um and how important all these types of elements are and how many how many methods there are to improve that that aren't necessarily spent riding your bike yeah yeah and i think you know whatever it was uh maybe 20 years ago so there was a i think he was swedish it seems like a lot of good things come out of sweden but <laughs> <laughs> you know some swedish uh i think it was a professor that, that it studied and realized that like cross training was this massive thing. Maybe that's where, the, I think that's a lot where the word CrossFit came from, but cross-training was huge. If athletes would cross-train and do a lot of things, they would expand their athletics. And not only just their fitness, I call it your athletics, your skill sets, your proprioception, everything else. So, um, yeah, like, um, I think, you know, that's what's important is to expand your portfolio. Like, and, and like a lot of people, I just posted something uh, like Concept 2, who provides the rowers and the skiers that I work with in the bikes. I, I swear I don't get paid at all, and yet I promote the hell out of them because that's actually that good. The rowing is so rewarding to the mountain biker because it does a lot of the opposite. Um, it's, it's, first of all, it's, it's posterior a lot, and in, 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 in mountain biking is so anterior, so front part of your body in, in, in layman's words. And then the rowing is, 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 is developing that balance between all the pedaling you're doing and you're doing something. And of course, it's using your lower back and your grip, two things that scientifically have proven to improve your descending performance. And like I said to somebody else, it's, it's also, it's a bitch. Like, it's, it sucks. <laughs> like, you, you have to push yourself and you have to go break some mental barriers. The guys today, I was telling them, like, this is good. You're going to crack some nuts today. Like, you're going to... You're, you're going to find out where you break and you're going to find out where your mind goes. And I think a lot of things that expose you to that, where you want to give up and fail, those are all great experiences. And guys can get on their bikes and they're so normal. They can just grind away at it until they're just their legs give out or they're, and that's just normal. So when they go to do something sort of different, it's, uh, it, it, it exposes them in a different way. And I think that's good. You're killing me. I spent four years in college rowing. Uh, constantly. I mean, I was on the rowing team for four years, and now I've been out of college for, let's just say, a long time, and all of a sudden I find out all that fitness I had back then would have worked out really well. So, yeah, shit. You'd, you'd have been winning. You'd have been, you're, you'd have been 
yeah. career athlete no, right now. No, I had a, <laughs> had a stayed upright. <laughs> Shit. Um, so t- this team ownership and team management is also a gigantic part of, of who you are and what you've been doing. Um, that's obviously above and beyond what training athletes has to do. And so just for those of us who might not have a you know peek behind the curtain, what all type of tasks are under that umbrella of what you, what you have to do on a regular basis just to keep that side of the operation going? Well, it's, it's a, again, it's a moving target. Like probably the, you know, it's, it's funny how it just changes as, as a, as a, I guess, manager or whatever. It's as a, the smaller team I first had, which was Performex Common Cell. When I had the cons- Common Cell brand, you know, we were, we were out there on a small budget and we had, uh, you know, Remy Gauvet, uh, Casey Brown was on my team, uh, Michaela Gatto, Kyle Sangers. So I had some riders along the way. And then that team was a, what you call it, I guess, a, semi-privateer team or semi-factory team on okay. which side you saw it yeah. whether you're optimistic or pessimistic but <laughs> you know we we were we were that and, and supported small and then there was no master plan for me to become this uh team owner manager but somehow the narco thing fell into my lap and then i was narco factory racing team owner and manager and i guess the business side of me because i had some businesses before and i like the challenge of trying to make you know, the, the, the budget work and go racing around the globe and do that. Um, yeah, there's a whole different skill sets. It's communication. It's developing a staff, getting at people. I just watched the bike shop here and it's like, it's sort of the same thing. You got, you got to, you got to get, got to, you got to get some good troops out there and you got to, you got to, um, work as a team. And, uh, that was really cool. And then moving from the, uh, Norco factory racing team into, um, moving away from the ownership and now just back in a management position because Aaron Gwynn, uh, Aaron Gwynn LLC specifically, owns, uh, you know, uh, the intense factory racing team. And, uh, you know, we worked together for all those years. And when this came up and he knew my position with Narco and it was open to options, he just pulled me aside one day and he said, what do you think of this opportunity? Do you think we could, because he saw me from the other side, side as a trainer and manager and he thought I would so I've signed up for a multi-year deal with him and him and I are together at first so too bad for him he's in for the <laughs> long road with me but uh yeah it's, it's cool so let's talk about your career I, I in doing my research for this it says you've been at this for for over 25 years I'm not gonna you know, not intentionally date you there, but uh, but um, what are some changes that have developed in the sport? First of all, let's talk about on the equipment side. Obviously, these you know gigantic revolutionary changes that have happened within the sport. Um, what are some of the ones you feel are more definitely more prominent? And um, you know, what are some of the ones that you wish would just go the hell away? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's uh, the equipment. I think. Well, what's the big one right now in the DH world, which is what I'm in? Like we were with Narco Factory Racing, we were doing downhill and enduro, a part time. We do five, four or five races a year with uh, rider Sam Blinkensoft, so Blinky, and uh, that was cool. That was really, really neat to go around and do. Because I mean, I also train Richie Rude, and so I have a chance to go spend time with Richie at the EWSs here and there. In fact, I signed up for an EWS last year and raced finale. Um, don't look at my results. Um, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> somebody get on <laughs> that. Okay. I was like, anyways, uh, my ego still got a kicking on that one. But, uh, um, yeah, like the, well, it, I'll just talk in terms of downhill. 
And I think the big one with downhill has been obviously the progression to the 29 inch wheel bike. And now we're all of a sudden to this mixed wheel. People like to call it the mullet, but, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, that's probably a big change right now. And of course, you know, it's, uh, it's again, a moving target. Like uh, the bikes are, we went, we got into this, like, I don't know, five years ago was like going to be all about lightweight. Like what was there? Like there was like a 32 pound downhill bike or something. And then a bunch of people tried these lighter downhill bikes and they were like, they're worse. They don't settle. They, they move around. So we're gone back to, we're not too concerned about the weight scale. I think guys are like, I'll let you in on a few secrets. There was a few podium guys that were waiting their wheels. And really? so waiting their wheels, waiting their bikes, guys were waiting them. And so I could tell you winners that were waiting their wheels, like putting w- lead in their wheels. So, um, we know that for a fact. So momentum is one thing. Well, I mean, you see ski racing they're oh, they're, yeah. they're, 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 they learn to put on weight cause it just sends them down the hill faster. Just yeah. inertia. So the bikes have done that. They've gone to this mixed wheel. Uh, what else has happened? Suspensions always, always seems to be improving hydraulics as we call it. Other than that, uh, I think the riders have all just got super fit mentally and physically. Everybody's like, you know, we were doing it, I guess, Stevie and I, and I was just, the guys were doing it, but I kind of like came along and I was like going to races and I was like the first guy to be there as like a trainer guy. Yeah. And so all of a sudden now it's like pretty normal. Well, I remember some of my first downhills going up and seeing guys putting out cigarettes at the start of the day. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, just crushing it out and then just, just rolling down the hill. I mean, obviously, <laughs> we've come a long way since then. How about how about the uh, the the sport itself? And I, when I talk about that, sometimes you can't go without mentioning um, dealing with the UCI and this umbrella that covers the sport and and things that have uh, maybe improved and things that might not have improved. When something gets popular, um, obviously there has to be more of a of a control element over it. And um, so, do you see anything that has been positive in that realm, and anything that has been you wish would go the hell away. Um, you know what? I think they all are, it's easy to complain about things. It's like yeah. any, I, 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 you just go out in the streets and what do you like, but I, I always take the side of what are you doing about it? It's easy for me to point my fingers and say something, but yeah. what, what am I doing about it? What can I do? So instead I just kind of tendency to focus on what I can do. I'll go to Spokane and help some people with some mountain biking. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what I'll do. And to me, that's good back for the sport. 
And uh, I think the UCI is doing what they can do. I think, and I'm not trying to be politically correct because I don't give a shit if they hear this or not. But <laughs> it's like, it's a tough role to make everybody happy. And uh, we are there. Like, we're so fortunate, I guess, in some way that we have Red Bull um, taking this on from Freecaster. And now we've got the numbers. And the numbers keep going up every year. And yet, bike shops and manufacturers, you know, they're saying, uh, we're not selling more downhill bikes, but you know, I guarantee you, Ferrari's not selling more F1 cars. They don't sell them. We're there, there to you know, we're there to b- push the brands, and we're there also to do the R and D. And I can tell you, it's not, it's not bullshit. Like the R and D that goes on at the downhill world, it's massive, and it's it is going back to the enduro bikes. It's going back to all the bikes. We're doing it all the time. We're trying to find. I mean, I know that. I can tell you for a fact. Those I'm looking over right now at those Santa Cruz bikes. I was right around Morzine a couple of years ago when Jason Marsh, Marshy, as you know, Marsh Guard, he was kind of moving. I was riding Greg Menard's backup bike, and we were like, there were there was measurements all over that bike about where to move the shock and everything. And uh, they're constantly doing that. They're trying to figure out how to make those bikes better through the like the level that those guys in the top twenty, nah, no, anybody, anybody in World Cups, the level those guys are pushing the bikes are. Uh, it's it would be quite mind blowing to people. Like I tell people, like it's the level those guys can push those bikes is insane, and that that's huge. And it's all gonna add to more. So these guys have less problems, less manufacturer problems or fractures, and <laughs> you know, uh, you know, mechanical problems. But uh, they're getting the angles right. They're trying to figure out how to make these bikes work better. Um, going back to your question about the UCI and Red Bull, I think they're doing good job at managing all of this like it's got to please a lot of people it's got to please the manufacturers it's got to please the teams and the team owners and the riders and the you know and the staff and uh people forget it's not easy like they don't just (laughs) some people like well they're gonna have more races or they got to have more locations it's a lot of money it's a quarter million euro to have to you know you have to have that kind of dollars to to retain a um a world cup so and you have to have the parking and you have to have the infrastructure and you have to have the accommodations. And that's why like places like Whistler, I mean, why are we going to these resorts is because these resorts want to introduce mountain biking. And so we're there to promote these resorts and we're there to promote, bring mountain biking into that, to that, to that area. And, and it's, it's been possible. Like Whistler has been a great model for that. Like their summers are, I hear now their summers are more profitable than their winters. Wow. Yeah. And in the future, right? The environment, what's going to happen with skiing? I know skiing people are pretty nervous about the future. (laughs) You know, winters are getting shorter and, you know, and this and that. So this is a good thing. I mean, you know, it's so there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to the World Cup scene and what we do. And, yeah. Just from your experience in the States, what would you classify? How's the sport doing here? I mean, you being at that at that level is probably hard to you know see what's happening at grassroots levels and things like that. But I can only imagine that maybe through you know coaching inquiries and things like that is is there some sort of a growth pattern or are we at a holding or is this something that's on the decline? I don't know because you hear this. Uh, Chris and I were telling t- talking today, and it's like you hear all this groaning and in, in, in stuff from this from the industry. It's like oh, sales are down and yeah. they're letting people off and they're not. I don't know, is it purging the system? Is there just too many manufacturers? Is there too many people who've got, you know, are in the game? 
Because I don't know, everywhere I go globally, how come the how come it's expanding? Like I see every I go places like I just got back from Greece and I just like somebody knew somebody watched the Pink Bike Privateer series. <laughs> it was weird. Like some dude asked for my autograph in Athens <laughs> and I'm like, what? And then so we started talking about mountain biking and it was kind of cool. And and he's like, oh, yeah, it's expanding around here. And then I hear all these bike parks opening everywhere. And so it feels like everything's growing. Like if there isn't like I was saying to Chris today, if there's not places to ride then these bike shops and these manufacturers are irrelevant like you no, no one would go buy motocross bikes if you were just going to go ride them on the road or the ditch you know or if there wasn't the trails networks and and everybody participating so it seems like it's expanding so maybe i don't know i don't, I don't want to pretend i don't wanna, i don't know the retail business i don't know the yeah. landscape of it all but um the sport is in in the u.s too like I spend a lot of time. I spend one week. When I say a lot, I spend a week every month pretty much in Cal in California. That's part of my contract. So I do see it down there. And, oh, man, it is it is incredible what it's doing in Southern California. Maybe people leaving the moto world, like leaving because it's just the moto is getting more and more difficult. And maybe it just got a little too dangerous and too overwhelming. Yeah. And I think it's insane, like, how many people come from the motor world and go try this for the first time. And then they're like, wow, this is sick. These bikes are rad. And then now maybe e-bikes. Wow. This is a whole new thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It looks good. And I, I have more inquiries from than ever about us riders. Like I'm going to work with, um, another us rider for you guys. One of the top uh, Bruce Klein. So I'm going to start with Bruce here in a few weeks and Bruce is, looks like a strong, I've known him for a few years. And so, yeah. Well, we talk on this show every quite a bit about the fact that a lot of other disciplines are switching to, to a lot more off-road things. You get kids, their parents are getting involved and they don't, they see kids out in traffic and they don't want them out in that type of a situation. And that's where we're seeing some, some of the rebirth and the, and the building of, of off-road racing and, you know, I, that's a hard thing for me to kind of wrap my head around because I see, you know, hitting a car and hitting a tree at 30 miles an hour are probably fairly similar of an impact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think connection to nature, again, is yeah. just an incredible thing, too. For me, it's, I don't know about you guys, but it's like, it's, it's like, you know, it's my meditation, you know, maybe people call it you yeah. jam or whatever you want to call it. Like, it's my drug, like getting out and just being in nature and getting away and your bike does it you can escape you can go a lot further and back into the forest than you would just walking the dogs which i do every day but you know i think that's the connection as well like how often do we all stop back there and just look around and go like look at all the people taking out their phones and taking shots of the background and where we are it's like this is pretty rad i think people are getting back a little bit to the basics i, I feel like human beings are kind of like the tribe mentality makes sense again you know, we need to get back. We need to get connected again. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to solve all cycling's problems right here and right now. Um, you talked about tribe mentality. Um, I, and you see it constantly. You know, here we are in a bike shop. We've got road bikes, mountain. We've got street bikes. We've got commuter bikes, all this kind of stuff. Yet there are so many very specific polarized tribes within this silly sport of people pedaling two wheels. Um, in your opinion, can, 
is there some way to find a common ground for the the roadies, the downhillers, the XC riders, hell, even commuters uh, to get along? Or do you think this is always going to be something that it's us versus them type of mentality? Well, I, I you know, I, it might be too much to ask. But yeah, I don't know that question. That's <laughs> that's wild. I, you know. I, I like it all. So, yeah, I think yeah. Yeah. it's crazy. Like, you'd be pretty amazed by how the DH guys, like, if you look at the, I don't want to call them the rock stars or whatever, the, the, but, like, in the UCI at the World Cup level, the downhill guys have so, the downhill riders, men and women, they have so much respect for the cross-country riders. Like, it's insane. Like, they think they're the most badass. Like, they're like, the guys have so much skill, and the, or, the you know, the riders have so much skill, and, and then it goes back and forth. Like recently, I went out to California a couple of years ago, and I took um, I took I was like, I'm gonna try something pretty cool here. I took I took Richie Rude, who I was training, Catherine Pendrel, you know, a Olympic level um, podium finisher at you know an XC, and I took to Aaron, and to Aaron Gwynn's place. So it was like the three of us, and I, we actually didn't do any Instagram stories. We didn't do any, I couldn't believe like after that, a bunch of people were like, are you crazy? You didn't, that wasn't filmed. Like Red Bull themselves were like, there was a story. And I just took them out and we spent like four days together training and riding and it was cool. And like, it, true story. Catherine, the first thing Catherine said was, I'll never forget it. We went riding at the Greer Mountain. She climbed, she goes, what the hell? Aaron's ridiculous. He just smoked us on a climb, like smoked us. And then coming down, we get down. Aaron said, damn, Catherine's <laughs> fast. <laughs> Unfortunately, poor Richie really just was nothing. He was in the middle of the ground. Yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't that amazing at anything. But okay. no, I just, I'm kidding. He was like, he, he could do both. But, you know, that was the thing. It was like, and, and, and that not just them too, like if you, like, the, the World Cup guys are like Nino shooters, like like that guy's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And so I think at that at the top end, those guys are all they all think it's quite. I think if I, when I think of it, I think the XC is really is really cool. Like I think the XC and people pedal and the machine power and the human power. I think that's just phenomenal. I think the downhill stuff's phenomenal. I think that's the real spectator sports. And I think, like, I don't know how many XC bikes you sell these days, like pure 100%. It's just like the downhill. It's kind of a bit of an anomaly. And in between is the most important bike, it seems, in bike shops right now, which is the enduro bike. And that's probably more the participant bike. That's more the, the you know, the, the, the that's the fan's bike right there. And it does a little bit of everything. It's our, it's our new gym. It's like we go out and get our exercise. It's our new socializing where we all go hang out and it's a good reason to drink beer at the end of the day and eat pizza and you know hang out and it's like they've done all that but uh i was just actually hanging out with max Comencel recently again and he's like i was like what do you think of this e-bike thing racing and he said i think it's wrong and i was like thought about it for a while and i'm like yeah maybe he's right he's like those bikes yeah. shouldn't be raced and he's like a big proponent for it he's killing it on the e-bike world right now because he's got a very affordable one he goes I don't think those things should be raced right now. They're they're an adventure thing. They're a tool. They shouldn't yeah. be not this moment. Like I don't know, maybe in the right environment. But I've got one. I love mine. And I, I mean, it's my first time just recently I've ever been gone mountain biking with my dad. That's what my dad's seventy five, and it was the great equalizer. He went out and he went riding with me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how can I ever talk shit about e bikes? I mean, it's like it's the first time I got to ride my dad in Austria. Like how crazy is that? So, but 
competitive-wise, it was really hard. At, I was at the World Champs, and they had them there. And then there was, like, these bikes that were, like, like where there was, like, five techs from overseas working on these bikes with laptops. And, you know, like, Win Masters is, like, I was talking to Win, and I'm a good friend of Win. And he's, like, damn, do you see that, you know, do you see that rider just smoke me? And, like, I know for a fact I could pedal with one leg stronger than that person. Yeah. So that bike was obviously jacked up and you know had all these programs on it and stuff so it's hard there they don't maybe, maybe they'll figure that out maybe they'll have some sort of system to know everybody's got the same power on those things but uh, uh i like the two extremes like i like the fact that xc exists and i like the fact that downhill exists and then all of us are sort of having our fun with our enduro bikes and it's sort of like the middle ground it's nice to hear somebody th th because it's it just gets so polarizing where it's this this specific group and the, another specific group and not understanding that there's quite a bit of skill set involved in, in each that probably each group could benefit from. Yeah, I guess, sorry, we didn't talk about those weirdos in cyclocross and road biking, but... Oh, yeah. Well, no, sorry. No, <laughs> I'm yeah. just kidding. Yeah. Damn. Don't get me started on... <laughs> oh, jeez. Don't, don't even start on fucking oh, triathletes. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I guarantee it. Nobody, nobody in that road bike world is calling me for the rest of my life, but... Um, if you're sleeveless with yeah, an yeah, arm warmers... Right. I actually work with Canada, one of Canada's top cyclocross riders, and he's, he's great. He's a badass, but no, um, yeah, uh, it's... Uh, it's cool to be involved in bikes. Yeah. Well, it's and, and it's good to know because, you know, personally, I'm the guy who got shit at a race a couple uh, last year for having a hardtail. So I just, I, maybe I just needed this as a little bit of personal therapy to, you know, make it feel that I'm not that much of an outcast and I'm not a complete loser or at least as much as people uh, tell me. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're on the right track. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I think, I'll, I'll say this. I actually had this theory. I think hardtails build good downhillers. So I think you learn a lot of bike control and skills. I, I've got a, I had a, I had a Cro-Mag hardtail for a while and well, it didn't do me any good, but no, anyway, but no, <laughs> I think it did. I think I actually raced a few events on it. So I think they're, I think, yeah, I think, I think it's cool. Right so, um, you mentioned uh, a couple and I, women racers that that you work with and things like that and i've had people on the show who've talked about the disparity that is happening in in women's uh, racing as especially at the elite level um what are your thoughts on on some of that stuff and and what is your direct experience dealing with that type of a topic well you're with with a team you're never really making the decision on your own you're, you're yeah. making rider decisions in fact i just before we sat down i formalized the a new rider on our team so i just walked out the door so i could <laughs> so i wasn't you know i could just deal deal with it and uh um you know it's like i've obviously like i'm good i put in my time with women so <laughs> i'm not going to be in the you know i had a team with two of three women uh, two or three riders were women yeah. casey brown and michaela gatto and i put in i'm a fan of it because in the training side in the training world i learned a lot that women where they they gain the most from doing this training like from doing the strength work and the and the gym work <laughs> those are beers yeah they're the not, those what those aren't the beers man those no that's the mic that's too, not yeah. a beer that's something else cracking but uh <laughs> those are th that's vh juice um <laughs> so <laughs> do we have vh juice in the u.s yeah we do oh, okay. but i don't drink it oh okay yeah. um i was <laughs> what is he talking about um <laughs> but um yeah, like I, the women were really, when I got into the industry as a team owner, uh, manager, 
um, Performex Common Cell, riders were like, we were such a small team that riders were looking, probably seeking me out because they, they wanted, like, we were a small team, but maybe we had a pretty good branded trainer, which was me. Yeah. So the riders were seeking out to be on the team. Like the, those that came to me said, we want to be all part of this team because we want you to help us with our training. And they knew I would do that. So two of the three riders were girls and Casey and, and Michaela. And uh, I could see because I, in the moto world, I was helping. I helped the seven time motocross women's champion out, Heidi Cook. And then Jolene Von Voot from the girl from Nitro Circus. I did a lot of years with her. And so the women gain a lot from this because it's handlebars and their upper bodies are really critical at doing this performance wise. And uh, so I'm a fan, but when you make the decision, I, I don't understand that sometimes. Like I don't know what the, why it might have, but I guess when you understand the demographics, I don't know what it is. Like I've heard we're 85% males between the age of, yeah. You know, whatever it is, to, I think the demographic is the age of 25 to, it's that whatever category, 36, is the big, so you understand why, you know, that's the interest. Yeah. I mean, it's what, like, the, those are the kids that are crazy about pink bike and crazy about the World Cup, and and uh, so you get why the marketing machine behind the racing is saying, like, I'm not going to name names, but all of them, the brands, and they're saying like, this is just good business. Like we have to, we have to market our brands to who's watching these events, but everybody, you know, there's a good movement right now about, and I dig it, man. Like I dig the whole, you know, my, my, my wife is assistant manager on this team, but she's not like in any means a super fan. She doesn't even watch. Like <laughs> she doesn't, she doesn't yeah. even, she doesn't look at pink bike ever. Like yeah. she just like, she wants to make sure the riders are healthy and, happy and their flights are good and they're they're doing good and they can come talk to her about personal things and they eat well but after that she doesn't really she's no she's the opposite of a super fan <laughs> you know so i get it but uh women are still more and more women to ride mountain bikes we definitely know that yeah and it's it's got to go beyond just make the bike shorter and paint it pink which it's, it's just I'm not going to comment on the microphone. Beer didn't just, just spill, spill on me. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. No, the good thing I there, don't so. have waterproof pants yeah. on. So. <laughs> so, you know, okay, all these serious topics aside, let's get into the kind of the fun stuff that we end the show with, you know, and stuff like that. So I'm going to throw some rapid-fire questions at you. And you gotta, oh, damn. You got you to respond quickly, right? Um, so, and, and, and if it, I guess you could pass, but somebody probably sitting at home will go, Oh, come on, don't pass or something like that. So I got, I got the 10 rapid fire questions. You ready for these? No, no. Okay, good then. Um, best cyclist you've ever worked with. <laughs> Expand on that. What's best cyclist? Just the best. best General person. overall. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about this? Would you ask who's the hardest working I, this the is hardest a working Performex athlete? Yeah. Sam Blankensoft. <laughs> Sam Blank, okay. Uh, biggest douchebag in the sport? <laughs> uh, uh, I try not to make it me. <laughs> you threw yourself under the bus? Why not? Oh, that's all right. Okay, I'll give you, I'll catch you some slack for that. Dream place to ride? Uh, if you haven't, if you haven't lived in Squamish, Squamish. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't lived in Pemberton, Pemberton. 
Um, after that, uh, 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 Aosta Italy with Lorenzo suiting. <laughs> I'm name drop. I'm, I'm definitely. You pick, yeah. you no one's paying me for this. Aosta free riders yeah. with Lorenzo suiting. Guaranteed. You never felt so much loam <laughs> uh, hit you in the back of your legs and you'll wish you had tear offs. It's the raddest, most loamiest. Um, yeah, uh, 20 to 30 minute descents you'll ever do in your life. Wow. G- blow your mind. It's, it's, it's the best mountain bike on the planet, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. Um, if you could only have one bike for the rest of your life, what would it be? <sighs> Brand? No. Damn, I have to be We've got hand quick, signals right? in the back of the room. Hand but signals. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Swing away. Uh, one bike for the rest of my 20 inch. Yes. Yeah. 20 inch for life, bro. There was one bra. being held up in the back. 20 inch for life, bro. It just depended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, no, enduro bike. You're going to have an enduro bike. You're going to do, I can go I can go ride dirt jumps on my enduro bike. I can get some pedal. I got to keep my beer belly down. So I got, you know, uh, yeah, my enduro bike is going to be it for sure. How many bikes do you have in your home right now? Oh, uh, I'm a hoarder. This no. is like this is like asking somebody if they're an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't drink at all. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, um, uh, yeah, I got some cool bikes right now. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I mean, yeah. Aaron Gwynn my- oh, Aaron Gwynn left his DH bike at my house, so I'm riding the shit out of that thing right now. But, that's, uh, that's but awesome. you're not giving me a total. For example, I'll throw myself under the bus. I have 17 bikes in my house. Oh right no, now. you smoke me. Yeah, you're way over. Yeah, no, oh, I have an addiction. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. do for sure. You got a problem. Yeah. But no, I'm mean, like I got uh, 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 nine. Nine. Yeah. And that's just you though. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't know who's the bike. There's a couple in there that I don't know who they are. See, I'm. We I'm, haven't decided whose bike that is yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pass it over Aaron's desk when he's late at night. When possession he's tired. is nine tenths of the law. So if it's worth it, it's yours. If it's after a certain while, it's like common law marriage. Sold. Yeah. You live with a bike long enough, it just becomes yours. Okay. Um, uh, beverage of choice. Right now, Rainier, but uh, you know, beverage of choice, uh, water. Okay, I meant beer. No, and then coffee second. Really? Okay. Are you a coffee snob? Yeah. Really? Yeah, traction coffee, Sean Near, Yeti. Really? Pro, yeah, for sure. Drip yeah. or Ro- espresso? Espresso. Really? Yeah. Just shots? Huh? Just espresso shots? Yeah, all the above. Like I I'm okay. a I'm a cappuccino day one day and I'm a americano and then I'm a just espresso shots. I I live in Europe like 4 months of the yeah. year, so at small coffees. Okay. This tells us about somebody, you know, and I'm not mm-hmm. judging. Um, your advice to somebody who enjoys drinking beer, even though it makes them slower as a, as a trainer, and I'm maybe speaking from personal experience. Typically, they're my favorite riding partner. <laughs> but, but what's your advice for them? Should they stop drinking beer, even though it makes them happy? If they want to remain my friend, keep drinking beer. Keep drinking beer. Okay. Yeah, because I, I don't need more fast friends. <laughs> I need more beer drinking friends, please. Okay. When you ride, with, yeah. When I ride with my athletes, trust me, my ego has got a beating. <laughs> so I, I need, I need more beer drinking. You buddies. don't use any kind of if you beat me, I'm gonna make the workout extra harder. Any kind of punishments like that for self-serving nature. Hey, listen, I don't want to get serious, but I just said this to the guys as today. That's kind of weird because I actually they're my bosses. Like I work for them. The I don't, I'm not the trainer guy that like, 
you know, it's like, oh, here's what you got to do. No, it's like, you come tell me what you want to do and I'll help you achieve it. But it's, you're my boss. Like you're paying me to help you. So no, they can do whatever they want to do. Wow. But if it's, they're delayed by their process or if it, if it, you know, I think somebody's testing here tomorrow and I was looking at him saying, how many beers are you going to drink? Right? Oh, now, so oh, you want, oh, He's see? <laughs> I guilted the hell yeah. out of him. So that's perfect. No, I mean, I'm not against it, but <laughs> you know, I don't know. I see Europeans just smoking cigarettes over there and drinking wine and they're not, they're all fit and they're strong. So I, I think there's a balance to all this stuff. Like I'm, 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 I'm not all, I'm, I think there's a balance to everything. I, I'm not one of those people that's about like, you know, being whatever perfect. I, I, I'm not into like, I'm going to give this a hundred percent. That's a horse shit word. You're going to give it whatever balance you want. Like there's a balance to everything. So. This sport would be perfect if it weren't for blank. Uh, <laughs> uh, damn, I don't have any weaknesses to this. Uh, and I'm not, <laughs> I swear. I'm just trying to figure out what I don't like about it. Um, Air Canada can suck. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing sometimes, really? you know. Um, yeah, I, d I don't know. Like, everybody's just so solid at working this thing. Um, sometimes, sometimes... Uh, people just getting a little too caught up in social media. Okay. Social media. Social media can sometimes be, I, I said to you earlier, yeah. to me, social media is a boat or it's an anchor. You just got to decide which one it is. I, that was interesting. Right when I walked into the, into the shop today, that was one of the first things we started talking about and how that can, you were saying, you know, a beautiful, perfect trip, but oh, we forgot to Instagram it and we forgot to share it on all those things. And I can only imagine how much more pressure is involved as a team manager, uh, how much you have to, if there's a minimum of, of mm. material you have to put out there on a regular basis. Yeah, it's it's cool. Like I, one of the guys was like Sam Blinkensoff. I keep, I, I bring him up because he was with me for four years, but he was like great at it. Like he just like call it the young guys on the team. He's like, just why don't you pop your head up and look where you are right now? You're driving through Switzerland and you're staring at your phone, looking at dogs pissing on cats or something, <laughs> like watching <laughs> dumb shit, as he would say. And you're like, you're driving through the Alps right now. So let's just like check this out and take it in your mind. And nobody needs to know you were here just except for you. So just stuff like that. And then, of course, I've got a, 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 a vegan yogi wife who goes to meditation clinics. So you can do the math. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's just being, you know, it's being in the moment and being here and. So I think that's the only thing, but it comes with the business. I get it. We're here to promote bikes and we're here to promote it. I think there's an upside. I'm not totally against it. Like it's, again, it's a boater anchor. I'm, I'm stoked with people. I'm like, you know, like surfers. I dig it. Like surfers are in the water. And so what do they want? They want nice oceans yeah. and they want beautiful oceans and they want to preserve that. And I think us bike people, we're kind of there too. Like we're out there, we're in the forest and you know, I, I think most people on bikes are like, they don't want crap in the forest and they don't want so that's why i say it's really hard to find something negative about all this i think it's it's just cool like and it's different because i gotta say that you're catching me now at a different time than i was 10 years ago and 10 years ago i thought everybody should just not drink beer at all in the mountain bike world and they should just do push-ups all the time and burpees and <laughs> seriously like i just thought and i as a team manager and owner i can tell you that's i, I don't regret it i don't regret it at all because it it it's was right for the time and now i'm more i guess you could say chill about it like i'm just more josh bryceland is a good friend of mine and when i saw josh bryceland and, and harry heath on our team 
sort of decide that this World Cup thing wasn't for them anymore and that they were going to go do their own thing and they saw the environment and they saw this stuff. And I, I, I'm not going to lie, it, it, it's inspired me to think about what's real and what's not. Like yeah. Josh Bryslin was insane, right? Like, not insane, amazing is the right word. He just dropped monster energy. It's like, nah, I'm not down with these guys anymore. Wow. And it was like, how inspiring. I was like, motivated. Like, it's not, like he, he, they're like, are you kidding me, dude? They're going to give you more money. He's like, uh, yeah, but I don't believe in this anymore. Wow. So that inspired somebody like me. I kind of like, wow, wait a second. It's not about the money alone. It's about integrity. It's about things that you want to do. And so, yeah, I don't know how the hell I ended up there, but your question, but uh, yeah. The question wasn't important. It was actually where it went anyway. So that was that was the best part of it. So no, don't worry about where the hell I'm taking it. Um, okay, the, um, one last question of the of the so-called rapid fire. One of the most bizarre moments you've ever had in your career, where it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh man, there's so many of those. <laughs> That's the coolest question so far. Well, uh, nice save. Ah, uh, the my mechanic. In Mount St. Anne, getting up in the middle of the night with, uh, what do you call those, uh, terrors, night terrors? Oh, yeah, yeah. Fully standing up on a bed and smashing his hands and his legs and his head against the wall while I was asleep on the other side, like, insanely violently and to the point where, like, everybody, like, I walked out of the hallway, like, my heart rate, like, like, I don't know, 200, and, and I look, and the other mechanic is down on, like, in a fetal position, like, against the wall going, just with his thumb pointing, like, get in that room right now, because I don't know <laughs> what the fuck's going on. There's, like, the exorcist in there right now, and I had to go in there and watch this guy, and I had to flip the lights on him, and he thought he was stuck in his trash compactor, so what? I don't know what that one, you know... You know, that was that was gnarly. That was like one that always seems to stand out. I know it's just so simple, but it's uh, in, 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 in uh, yeah. Anyways, I, I kind of seem to remember that one. <laughs> so that one was cool. But after that, it just goes, yeah, there's some pretty haywire shit out there for sure. It's the mountain bike. I don't know what it would have been like 20 years ago when all the guys like Palmer and Kvark's a good yeah. buddy too. I always ask Chris, I said, what was it like back then? But yeah <laughs> we have a lot of we have it's it's still it's mountain biking man it's our downhill it's yeah. supposed to be rowdy like it shouldn't fit in a square box you know guys like eddie masters and you know and guys like that are so good for the sport because they keep it real they keep it rad and they keep it they keep it a bit snowboard i mean i grew up yeah around that so i like i listened to hey i grew up around the dead kennedys i didn't grow up oh. around the gym <laughs> you could you know figure yeah. it out no, okay, so, and, and I was going to ask you if there are any specific riders that you think are kind of keeping that life going, bringing new energy into it, or is it just a constant flux? I mean, that's it. It's all yeah. of them. Every one of them. I love every one of those guys, what they do this sport. My wife just said this to me best. In our lives, there should be nobody we can't get along with. The only reason we're not getting along with people is because we don't get along with ourselves. So to me, we should be able to get along with everything. Like we should see everybody for their own differences. I don't care if it's Donald Trump. Like it's something weird and bizarre, but I think it teaches us something. So I think it's the same thing. I think, you know, that's a good example. That's exactly what the conversation went. I like the sport. I like to see the hardcore serious guys. I like to see the party guys. I think they all bring something in and 
maybe the people before that, the younger guys that come along and they go, which one of those guys do I connect with? Which one of those guys do I understand? And which one of those guys, and I think even one of those guys teaches us and brings the sport and makes it very real. I don't think those guys fit in a box. And I think everybody, you know, maybe when it gets, if it got too big a business, like you see the road cycle stuff, I don't know it really well, but it seems like it's, you know, like some of the stuff, like it just seems really tidy. <laughs> I like that it's not super tidy and it's, yeah. it gets a little bit wild still. You know, those boys, I mean, most people don't know this, but most of the World Cup guys get pretty wild after the finals. <laughs> <laughs> they still do. I would hope so. Even these hardcore guys that talk about all their training, you got to see it. I got I had a it's snowshoe. Uh, so I was just hanging. I was just at Retallic Lodge. By the way, go to Retallic Lodge. Go to Retallic Dodge. But I was at Retallic Lodge, and um, and Amory Pirion was there with us, and we were laughing about it. And I was showing Amory, um, and the dint in the roof of our rental car because at <laughs> at, at um, Snowshoe, him, Loic, and Greg Menard, they, I drove into the pits to pick up some stuff, and those guys all jumped on my roof, and they <laughs> dinted my roof down in my. Uh, rental car and uh they just fortunately the next day when i dropped it off i was able to lay in the back and do a leg press against the roof and it popped up <laughs> yeah it popped up and, it, and i was able to like pull in and then the guys are like at the rental car they're like oh this car looks great and i walked away i was just like yeah and uh max max Comencel was asking how much he owed me when i saw him the, the day next day he's like do i owe you anything for that rental car because he knew that amory was the first guy to dive up <laughs> on it but it, when he popped it out and stuff like that happens every round and it's <laughs> there is a huge just like there's a huge huge family there at the world cup it looks bigger on the outside world than it is yeah. at the inside world it's like none of those guys think themselves as big rock stars they actually it's, they just like to them it's just bizarre that people think that they're a big deal for the most part those guys yeah. are really like they don't see themselves a big a deal at all that's the approachability of it, I think, is one of the biggest things. You know, talk about a marketing tool. If you've got an athlete who's approachable, if a kid can walk up and ask for an autograph or something like that, that's going to change. That's going to make, you know, that kid's going to get into it. That kid's going to walk in and buy that enduro bike or get mom and dad to buy it or something like that. So that's where it all it grows from. Yeah, and getting get if we do that, if we get more people into bikes and people decide to use bikes to get together as a community, and get bikes to go travel and stay out of their cars and they stay a little more fit. And we see so much happening with mental health these days with people and the way life is. I think that the physical unweights the mental. And I think that's the part that people don't understand, but that's the part that really helps you handle that mental stress that we're seeing all these mental issues with. And I think that that's why I stay in it. Like, it's like it's my my wife who's a vegan <laughs> and doesn't want us to get on airplanes as much well do do our part like oh yeah carpool yeah. and all these kind of things and do it our 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 thing is at the end of the day is like hopefully we're spreading the good word and that's that people are using these bicycles to you know um have a lifestyle the culture right on uh Performix, where can people find this? Who are who are the type of people? Are you are you dealing with just elite level, or is this just anybody who wants to get involved can get involved? Well, there, here's the thing: we're gonna. That's why we're here right now. We're kind of. I've been doing this for so many years, just at one level, and I'm gonna go online in 2021. And so the whole idea is there to take the 29 years of experience and put it onto something more feasible, like I. 
affordable and easier to follow. I got to get, I got to keep up with the times. <laughs> I got to get on, <laughs> I got to get online and not ask people just to write manually into their programs and stuff. So that's our plan next year is to go online with this. And I've always seen this as like the training is only one part. It's the training is not going to make you all of a sudden a lot better rider. I think what makes you a lot better rider is the coaching. I think the bikes, the technology, you get to get proper bike. You got to get it set up. You got to get, um, get somebody helping you to understand how to set your bike up properly and getting the right equipment. I see that. I mean, I know you didn't, I see way too many women with wide bars, by the way, way too many with wide. cut your bars, cut your bars, cut your bars. It's, it's such a trend to have your elbows sticking out. Um, and so things like that bike setup, and then you know, I'm not asking to go get a mental coach. I'm not even often that much to <laughs> promote trainers. I, I'm not. I'm like, yeah. literally, I grew up listening to dead Kennedys, <laughs> not in the gym. <laughs> I'm anti-establishment as anybody when I was growing up. It's like, you don't need a trainer. You, you, need, you can go out and you can ride your bike. But if you all of a sudden run up against roadblocks and you have this passion to see another level and you want to do it safe, then... That's why I've never been a personal trainer. Nothing against personal trainers, but I'm not one to go to the gym with somebody and convince them to do more repetitions. Or yeah. I just like, here's the recipe. You got to bake the cake. And so I like that part of it. It's in fun because I like the biomechanics. I like what I've learned. And so Performex is going to do a bit more of that. Like I want to have something online where people can follow it and be safe. But I'm also going to spread my wings and we're bringing some coaching into the kind of the almost the first to hear about this like i'm going to bring some coaches in and uh i've been fortunate enough to be connected to some pretty good riders out there so like richie and i are going next week or next month to california and we're going to put on another clinic I, i'd like to see this expand like what we're doing right now in spokane i think if we can come in and keep people safer as well like i talked to these guys today and i said we're not just doing this to see if you can pump your pedals harder and you can race down a mountain faster like you guys are taking some pretty big you riders are taking big risks and you need to sort of prepare yourself for that. I think, you know, one famous motocrosser back in the day said, I'm fit enough to ride fast. Just make me safer. Wow. And, I, and I always stuck out with me and uh, keep me safe. And so I think for me, that's always been a big, just be a little safer, have the mobility, have enough durability. And so I don't know about you, but like, I want to do this when I'm 60. I'd rather do that than shit the bed and, you know, <laughs> just, you know, barely get up, step up on curbs. I, I, I hate to use the word rad, but I want to stay rad till I'm 70. Like I was, <laughs> I, I do. I want to keep, I've gotten 13 surgeries and, and I just, as long as those don't stop me, I'm just going to keep going. So you can go to performxracing.com. And if you go there or you can go to my Instagram, I guess that's what I've done. I've, I've, I've gotten into the whole Instagram thing in the last <laughs> two years. And you can see uh, Performex training on Instagram and you can see what I'm doing. I try and get on there and give some advice. Like, again, I go back to social media being, a, uh, you know, an anchor. Uh, I try not to be too self-promotional. Like, I don't want to just go on there and say, like, I, I turn away 95% of the people that come to the right. brand and just be like, no, nah, I don't. It's not like I'm, you're not a big enough rock star. Ask anybody. I work with a girl. I work with people last year that were like nobodies. They just wrote really good emails. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I'm not saying Chris isn't a rock star because he is, but <laughs> Chris approached me a bunch of years ago. It's like, yeah, I just want to do, I mean, to be fair, 
we, I started a thing called the basic training and it wasn't my elite services. And I said, well, I'll have room for eight riders. Um, true story. I had 932 Jesus, really? uh, inquiries. So, you know, I was like, who are my face favorite eight? And it's like the emails, they something, and I, you know, I bike shop, I do this, I do that. And I was like, hey, wait a second. I mean, yeah. I'm still a businessman. I was like, good network there. It's a good group. I, I see something else than just the training. And here we are doing yeah. a podcast and we're talking. And so my half a brain works sometimes pretty decently. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, and that's it. It's like, so I, 2021, and here's the thing. If I don't feel ready for 2021, I'll just bump it to 2022. <laughs> I'm like, I'm cool with this. I don't, I, I've, I, I've like, everybody's eager. They want to get going, but I'm like, I'll do it when everything's ready. Like when everything's ready and I feel like the staff is ready and the people are ready. Um, I want to go to bed at night knowing this is like where I think it needs to be. Like, I don't want people to feel like I've turned a lot of my riders. I've had families come to me and say, Hey, we want to send your rider with you to California for the winter. And I've said, you know, I suggest you send them to work. Wow. Like yeah. that's, that's a story on like six top riders. Like people will, there's, there's anybody, you know, that nobody's, I can guarantee you no one's going to call me out on that because I, <laughs> I've done that. I've like, like turned people. I like, you know, um, I think that rider needs to understand the value of this instead, instead of just you signing them up for another, you know, year and stuff. So I think that, um, I'm trying to have that integrity about it. So, you know, with still not thinking too much about my, you know, the fact that I don't have a pension, <laughs> that, <laughs> that this is my job and I have to sort of keep myself alive after all this. And, you know, I, I don't know, can only do this so long. But, yeah, the staff we're building right now, the team of people, I'm pretty stoked on. we got a good group of people that are going to come on, whether it's coaches, other trainers. I'm really excited about the new blood that comes in, the new young guys that are bringing in some ideas. And I think this group right here, everybody here is teaching me too, like, equally. Like I'm coming out here and I'm like, okay, what are, what are people want from this? Like, yeah. why do this? What, why do this? Like, what's, what's, uh, you know, what's, uh, you know, what's the purpose of this when you're, uh, you know, when you're not making a living from it? Like, I get it when you have some athlete that makes a living from this, this seems like, okay, everybody else is doing it. I should do it too. have a trainer and so on. But yeah, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta, it's, it's been a moving target for me over the last few years and I'm pretty stoked to, uh, have this evolved to something different. I'll still continue with elite athletes. Like I'll have a few of them and then I'll, my staff will help out a few more. We'll have the basic training and then we'll have this online stuff. And then from there, I don't know. We'll sky's the limit. Right on. Well, uh, first of all, Todd, thanks for your time, man. This is, this is, uh, it's been kind of an interesting way to kind of understand your personal philosophy and how you take it. And, um, I, I gotta say you're, as much as I tried, you're pretty damn upbeat. So uh, you know that's that's um, that's <laughs> nice to hear. You know you're you're not exclusive and all that kind of stuff. You know and I yeah, but uh, no, it's 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 nice having a talk with you, man. Well, yeah, it's it. Thanks, uh, I appreciate it. Just yeah. keep uh, keep yeah keep keep stoked. I mean that's that's my favorite saying. You know, keep feeding the white wolf, man. <laughs> you know, like that's it. I told these guys today. It's like the most important part is not me. It's uh, not the training. It's not performance. Just anybody out there it's just uh you know it just uh appreciate it all just you know keep positive i swear to you i'm a good example that i i kind of dig what i'm doing and i'm pretty i don't want to say fortunate because I, I i you know i don't believe in luck and stuff but 
I think I'm a prime example. Like if this idiot can do it, then like <laughs> seriously, like just go out, just believe in that something can happen and, and stay optimistic, positive, positive people attract more positive people. And I swear, man, if you just, if you're just walking around in the cloud, you're just, it's more of those people want to be under your cloud. And I swear that's not gonna, that's not gonna point you in the right direction. Yeah. So just, I, I look for people with the right jam, man. And it's like, <laughs> I s they, they drag you along. So that, that works for me. Perfect. Yeah. Well, speaking of the, uh, people with the right jam, uh, Big thanks to the group here at, at Bike Up for yeah, having woo. this whole thing, you guys. Yeah, give yourself some noise or something yeah. like that. Good they're job here. today. Yeah, they're still Supper here. Supperfest today was crazy. <laughs> I'm stoked on all you guys. It's pretty cool. Guys I see in. Some, some heads nodding. It's like, it was fucking hard, man. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. It was, that was awesome. And that's that's it. You find, some, you find some deep corners in yourself when you do this stuff. And uh, like I told them today, don't look at it as a threat. It's the opposite. You know, if you ever have a chance, read a book by Jocko. It's that discipline is freedom. <laughs> and I can tell you a truer thing. You know, it's it, doing this is not, it's not, it's not, it, it's not, you know, it's, it's the opposite. It's, it's, it's actually creating freedom in your life because the more, you know, you dig your claws in, the more you can kind of chill out too. So it's like, you know, this is that I believe in and, and it's worked. So, um, yeah, these guys, good job. Thanks for everybody having me out here, eh? That was pretty cool to come out here and hang out with everybody. I mean, I'm back in a bike shop right now, and they, how crazy this is the town that inspired me. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, seriously, this is like, I swear it, I'm on acid right now. Like, <laughs> so I, well, we were supposed to do acid earlier, right? Oh, no, that was, uh, sorry, that was, uh, yeah, yeah. We're into everything at Performex. No, that was, uh, what was that? That was supposed to be some... Uh, Amino acids of some sort. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah that makes so we amino sense. acids. Yeah. I'm winking right now. No, yeah. but <laughs> it's cool. Like to be here, and this is so full circle, man. Like I don't know. Like I can't believe I was here. I it was like trying to do the math today. I was like, what the hell? I was in this town. I can still smell that bike shop. Yeah. I think it's when is that bike shop open? Monday. <laughs> Chris is like, I don't know, another bike shop. It's yeah, not we're, mine, so we're, who the fuck cares? It's a, it's, I guarantee it's, it's, it's a B&E on Monday if it's not open. Break it, you know, B&E? Yeah. All right, okay. Because oh, I'm going into that shop. I need to smell that shop again. I hope that same dude, I don't know what he looks like, but if that guy's there, I'll remember it. Oh, shit. So you look like Kramer from Seinfeld. I can't remember it's one of those things where I when i do go in there i will swear i'll what remember what the hell are you doing in my job oh yeah, yeah i'll yeah. i'll lose my shit when i go in there yeah. i guarantee i'm gonna be in there he's like what's this weirdo doing yeah in here? oh yeah yeah i'm like oh man and know. we promise we won't tell your wife that you were uh not only uh sitting against a bear skin but that uh you learned the phrase what was it pet, pet the, bear? the bear pet, pet the, the bear. bear tonight yeah i swear that's still code for something I it don't is no it is it's a it's the Bike hub code for it is. As I soon as like I turn off the mic, the lights are going to go dark, and gonna, you're going to find out. And what everybody's going to be finding out my bum to the wall, as they say. <laughs> All right. Oh, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. He found out, you guys. Yeah. yeah right yeah, on. No, well, I'm not homophobic, no. but um, no, it's it's uh, yeah, it's cool. Thanks everybody. Right on. Thanks. I just want to say it. Yeah. Cool guys. Forget. I'm just using the mic right now to so it can. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Thanks. Here we go. Yeah, everybody, thanks. It was an awesome day. Thanks for making my day. There we go. So there you have it. Proof that I actually do get outside of these walls.
I'm not imprisoned. No tracking bracelets. Nobody can prove anything. Hey, you guys, hope you liked that episode. It was a lot of fun to get out there. Big thanks once again to the Bike Hub for hosting the show and having us all there. And once again, in case you're interested, in case you care, if you don't, I'll just be passive-aggressive and tell you anyway. Our podcast can be found at packfiller.com. It can be found on Stitcher. It can be found on Spotify. It can be found on iTunes. We have a YouTube channel. Get on there. Subscribe to it. Subscribe to the podcast. If you don't, I'll come outside and I'll... I won't do anything. I'm really passive-aggressive, so I probably won't do shit. But guess what, you guys? Next week, our Pack Filler in Seattle episode. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. These anger. Oktoberfest beers are delicious. We sh- we filmed a bike town there, and we shot a podcast there at Rafa in Seattle, and we will be giving you the audio of that next week. So I promise the guys are going to be back in studio soon. It's just I've got too much content, so I'm going to be getting it out to you before we have another in-studio session with Pack Filler Trivia. That's it. Talk to you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 